0: Yeah, so uh, do let us know some of your thoughts just before we speak to offence. Uh, do let us know some of your thoughts uh, on uh, this uh, discovery matter. I mean, uh, yeah, if your employer uh, will figure M7's in it tomorrow and they say, look, uh, dude, uh, it's not going to happen. You, you need to go and get your one jab or your you know double jab. Uh, or something like that, uh, because if you don't do that, uh, you know we don't want you coming in. we don't want you to to be dealing with clients. we don't want you to be doing anything uh, related to our operations. and we actually, you know uh, are gonna have to part ways. Uh, what would you do? Uh, because I, as we said, I mean it, it just sounds a bit harsh, uh, but uh, there are many, many other arguments that we could make, and uh, one of the ones we were making is around uh, the occupational health and safety implications uh, of uh, having to pay out, uh, you know, for diseases or you know uh, injury or severe illness. Brought about uh, by uh, contracting COVID 19 in the workplace. Uh, so send us your voice notes there on our WhatsApp line on 079 191 079 191 But we shift our attention now to the aviation sector. Ofense Mokwena is a transport economist uh, and a lecturer at the Northwest University. And he joins us this evening. And uh, Ofense, I want us maybe to start at first principles, man. You know, like, When when I sat in an Ecos 1 class, uh, one of the examples they always used about what price discrimination was, uh, was always, you know, airlines and in particular SAA. And they would always say, you know, well, you know, when you go into a plane, the first part of the plane, you know, are the people who've paid a lot more than what you might, you know, if you're riding maybe out at the back. Uh, And one of the things that always made me very happy about Kulula, Mango and many of the other ones was that there wasn't that, you know. I, uh, I mean, I remember being on a plane. I, I think the CEO of Eskom at the time was on the plane as well. And I was like, yeah, it seems that might come to an end.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. Um, it's, it's quite fascinating that um, we're seeing um, airlines looking at trying to adapt to the variation in uh, consumer preferences
0: <laughs> I guess that's what it is, right? I mean, that's how you would say it to your, to your microeconomics uh, students or your transport economics students that uh, the preferences have changed. But what has changed about those preferences?
1: Well, so a couple of interesting things um, uh, are happening. So globally, income inequality is shifting. Um, in, in our country, the households that are earning, I think, a million rand or so um, per year, so individuals, um, have actually doubled. Um, and and it's quite interesting that these dynamics have occurred within, you know, all this all this mess. But this is obviously pre pre COVID, mm. and we were also looking at an environment where airlines have to find new products that actually um, diversify their profit base, not their revenue
0: base, per mm. se. And you know, for me, what what is interesting, I guess, is is on the one hand, you've seen a sort of a people moving back in terms of the service offering. I mean, I remember SAA just before, you know, they went into voluntary business rescue. At some stage, there wasn't any food on the platform. I mean, you wouldn't get what you ordinarily would get, maybe, you know, a food and maybe a drink. Uh, and none of that Um, and and i'm quite interested i guess in when you say that distinction between your revenue line and your profitability um what implication does bringing in a consumer who wants to pay more for maybe more leg room or even just i guess you know no middle seat what implications does that have in a context where the aviation sector is responding as it is now to covid19 but also i guess to to the impact of those restrictions got you Um, so yeah, so offensa, hold the line there for me for a second. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll unpack, uh, I guess, uh, who some of these players are that uh, are moving in this direction and what it might mean for SAA, which is uh, yeah, hitting the skies in uh, the not-so-distant uh, future. 19 minutes it is uh, before 8pm it's the second part of our business wrap Offenza Mukwena, lecturer and transport economist at the Northwest University is my guest this evening and uh, yeah we're talking about some of the moves here on the part of uh, the newest airline Lyft uh, they're looking to introduce a premium offering we also, we've also seen something similar from Fly Affair who've upgraded their business class offering and uh, also a discounted flights uh, offered by Kolola which uh, resumed operations on Wednesday uh, following a, a three month grounding as well and and uh, yeah, we uh, take stock of all of these moves and uh, Offense, uh, as a lecturer and transport economist, makes sense of these uh, for us. Now, Offense, uh, I guess there's, uh, as, as you're saying, I mean, uh, an industry that's not operating at full capacity, but your cost structure is certainly moving at uh, full capacity because, uh, you know, it diesel doesn't say, well, you know, you're 60% full and, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it will only cost 60% of what it would ordinarily mean for a full flight. doesn't work that way. Um, but talk to me about I guess some of the other frills that uh, you know many of these aviation players would put in I mean one of those has been priority boarding, uh, you know, in some cases, access to non-aviation, you know, parts of the business, the lounges and all of the other things. Uh, I mean, just the the role that those are going to play during this moment as demand starts to uh, pick up, I guess, in relation to how much uh, we open up the economy and how much, I guess, you know, by way of vaccination happens and whether or not we're not going to see all of these mutating variants. Yeah, so what what I think It's all about the experience. That's that's the key because they the the. Maybe a last one, uh, you know, SAA hits the skies not in uh, you know, the not-so-distant future. Uh, what type of market do they come into? And I guess from an operational strategy perspective, let's leave aside the balance sheet for a second and all of the uh, you know, fights and everything else that happens at uh, a governance level and just talk day-to-day operations. How, how do they navigate this particular space with some of the route and, f- and fleet choices that they've already signaled to the market? Well, they're coming. Indeed. Offense, we're going to have to leave it there, my brother. Pleasure catching up with you. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to be watching this one very, very closely. I think maybe after a month of their operations, we must check in again and uh, just do a quick assessment <laughs> of what's happening. Offense, thank you very much, brother.
1: Thank you, man. Well,
0: Take care, Offense, Mukwena, lecturer and transport economist at Northwest University. Yeah, I think we're gonna to have to go and tally up there and say, "Hey man, to uh, yeah, But uh, yeah, you never know. Maybe by then the Takatsu thing will be sorted out. Uh, let's take a, a quick break now. And uh, on the other side, uh, yeah, we go into our headlines and uh, we try and understand what distinguishes a intelligence report from something that might just be, I guess, a pamphlet of an information. Page.